TNT Audio Publishing presents The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles by T. L. Dawnstar. Book 1.0 The Universe Cone. Chapter 3 At Escape. The disintegration portal was first used as a form of punishment for murder and spitting after the Great Brute Wars of 2001. It was first used to execute General Ron Nebula after the Battle of Windy Hill on Grayzox 9. Since then, the portal has been used only once on Spaceport 6, leading some to question why a mid-sized spaceport even has the capability to administer capital punishment when it is so clearly lacking in food court options. Boasting only a single branch of Neil's Tolivian Rib Shack, two Thorax 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 stores, and not a single Greg's in sight. The technology that creates the portal is fairly rudimentary. A phoson beam is fired at high velocity through a Vex crystal, creating a Type 3 Karen wave which admits an oscillating dog matrix, which rips a hole in the dimensional barrier. Some scientists, such as Dr. Linda Tang of the University of Blug, suggest that victims of the portal are transported to an alternate universe, instead of being horribly torn apart and molecularly unmade. No proof of such a transportation currently exists. The Disintegration Portal Galactopedia Entry 38909, 2007 AD Do you understand the process as I've explained it to you, Captain Dark Cruiser? asked the pale, thin alien, sitting across from Carl in the softly lit room. She looked basically human, except for a small, almost indistinguishable, bony ridge running horizontally across her mid-sized forehead. Calming music played incessantly through tinny speakers built into the wallpapered walls as the alien placed her hollow reader on the desk in front of him. Carl's big head nodded slowly in answer to the alien's question. Carl Darkruzian knew he was a dead man. In less than 24 hours, his bulging, muscular body would be thrown into the portal, which would disintegrate his large muscles and skin and face and bones. He scanned the room for an escape route. Nothing. The space was perfectly sealed. The alien stood up and bowed like an idiot. Excellent. Enjoy your execution, human scum, she said cheerily. She exited the room via transbeam and vanished in a hazy purple bloom, leaving a pungent smell of hot eggs hanging in the stale air. Come on, Dark Cruiser. You've been in tighter spots than this. He looked down at his cyber-enhanced body, which had been clothed in the standard lime-green tiger-striped prison jumpsuit, which was admittedly incredibly flattering on him, but didn't contain the equipment that would usually allow him to conveniently escape any situation. This would have to be his greatest escape yet. Moving his eyes upwards in the direction of the ceiling, Carl focused on the hollow lamp fittings, shoddily bolted to the ceiling where he was looking. Hmm... He thought longly in his brain. Hmm. Author's note. The next section is missing. Carl holstered his newly recovered phase blaster. Gods, he thought. That was close. Still not sure the hells I made it out of there alive. He wiped the cold oil and hot cooling fluid from his jumpsuit and looked back at the pile of robot guards he'd so excitingly and creatively dispatched just moments earlier. It was a damn good job that Robocide wasn't a crime in this part of the system, otherwise Carl would be looking at a lifetime in a Lasbar-lined cell. There was no turning back now. He'd be hunted across the galaxy if he ran, 
but the smoking pile of mechanical corpses rapidly disappearing behind him, because he was already running away from them, left him little choice. It's go time. He'd stick that one right in the maybe column of his ever-growing mental spreadsheet of potential catchphrases. The clock was ticking. The automatic alarm would soon begin blaring across the spaceport, and soon after that, the docks would be on lockdown. He needed a fast ship, and he needed one fast. There was only one being on this hunk of junk hurtling through the cold, empty void known as Spaceport 6 that could help him now. It wouldn't be easy, but he'd need to call in a favor from James Tizar. Tizar was the disgraced former head of the powerful lobby group known as the Galactic Safety Council, and it showed in the way he'd chosen to arrange his well-lit and compliantly ventilated chop shop in the industrial zone of the station. Tizar ran a tight and safe ship. The hangar bay was dimly lit, but well within Galactic Standard 645, which regulated safe lighting levels in the workplace. Every hazardous material was clearly identified, every loose cable securely taped to the gleaming floor, and his alien assistants were appropriately dressed in the correct PPE, which had been expertly tailored for their various physiologies. Carl entered, panting like a dogman, after legging it like a maniac to the pristine space dock. But Tizar failed to hear his heavy footfalls, thanks to the noise-cancelling ear defenders that Galactic Workplace Clause 567 subsection beta had made a legal requirement, thanks to sustained lobbying led by Tizar in his now legendary campaign of Space Year 1999, Hear the Fear of Hearing Loss in the Workplace. Carl approached and shouted to James Tizar. James Tizar! Carl shouted to James Tizar. A small, owl-esque figure looked up from the burning plaz torch in his heat-proof gloved hand and lifted his reinforced safety goggles, revealing a second pair of goggles, which he also carefully removed. He narrowed his weird eyes and looked Carl up and down, and then sort of sideways a bit. I see your attitude to PPE hasn't changed after all these years, Mr. Dark Cruiser, seethed James. There isn't a media rock, tip, boot, or high-density work delay in this whole crazy universe that can protect me this time, Jim, Carl replied. I suppose you know the whole station is after you? Yeah, and how? Look, I need a ship, J-Dog. Carl deliberately used the nickname that James had coined for himself in an ill-fated rebranding exercise during his Safety in Schools campaign of 2005. Safe for School, it's the number four, and its school is spelt with a K. J-Dog's rap single of the same name charted in the Galactic Billboard at an incredibly generous 3,746. I'm calling in the favour, James. Tizar sighed, removed the third pair of safety goggles he'd been wearing this whole time, and rubbed his small, dull eyes. All right, Dark Cruiser. I'll get you your ship and then we're square. Peachy? Peachy. I think I've got just the thing for you if you'll follow me, and please be aware of your nearest emergency exit as we walk. The ship was a Type 65 Verge Core cruise fighter with a modified pulse system and a seriously souped-up interstellar drive shaft. Equipped with X-9 exhaust enhancers and Fruvian damping clusters, topped off with a near-impenetrable titanoid alloy hull and a top-of-the-line particle blaster array, she looked more than capable of outrunning and outgunning even the latest model of Citadel Interceptor or Barkian Freighter. The name and serial number had been blasted off by the powerful but safe jet hoses of Tizar's work crew. The sleek body of the vessel jutted forward like a gleaming razor blade which had caught the flickering light of an old Earth-style gas lamp in one of the countless foggy alleys on Victoriana 9. Carl followed the line of her smooth, tight body with pervy eyes. 
glanced at her gleaming exhaust ports and nodded approvingly. Well, what do you think? Asked an arm raising Tizar. I just have one question, Carl remarked. Yes, it can. I didn't ask you anything yet. You were going to ask me if an ant could ever truly love a human being. An ant. What? It's an ant, not a ant. Either way, my friend, the answer is yes. Carl put his big head in his smaller, but still by any measure, large hands. James was being dead weird, and he didn't like it one bit. He raised a gloved palm in a gesture which said, Shut up, James, and stop talking about the secret love betwixt man and insect that got you in trouble all those years ago. Carl had forgotten what his one question was, so instead he looked the ship up and down once more, taking in every curve of her slick hull. She'll do, Carl said, and then paused for way longer than needed. She'll do. She'll need a name, I guess, interrupted James. Time was running out, and Carl knew it wouldn't be long before the sex centre security and public safety enforcement operatives would make their way to the hangar bay. But naming a ship wasn't something any self-respecting space pirate would want to rush. He spun around and stood with his back to the vessel, and pondered in silence for several star men's while he mentally ran through the options in his brain. Space Runner. Light Rider. Star Blaster. Dark Cruiser's Revenge. Rogue Cannon. Carla's Birthday. Astro Bastard, Gary, The Crimson Wipe, Wild Blood, Cosmo Hawk, Rocket Master, The Mustard Terror, Interstellar Thunderhawk, The Screaming Vortex, Blade Pulse, and Susan. Then, after what seemed like hours of tedious listing, it came to him. I'll call her Stahl, he uttered as he choked back the rapidly forming lump in his throat. Carl wiped away a single tear and turned sadly to walk towards the ship. As he approached, he heard a large door swooshing open in the distance. Turning to see what that damned noise was, he spotted two figures entering the hangar bay from the far side, blocking his route to the vessel. One was a short and stocky human chomping on a synth cigar. The other was a spider boy. Carl quickly turned to James Tizar, who was also there. Damn it! They found me. Tizar, stole for me, will ya? I gotta make a break for it. Oh, not a chance, Dark Cruiser. I just gave you the best damn ship that's passed through this safe and functional work environment in cycles. We're square now. I don't owe you a blooming thing, you dig? The two figures stepped forward into the dim light. It was the Sarge and Geef, and they were getting closer holding up an old-fashioned synth-paper photograph of Carl to the slightly gormless employees. During his daring and action-packed escape from the sex centre, Dark Cruiser had fried the station-wide system of hollow projectors with the cunning use of half a pint of Palikian pale ale and a stick. As a result of the resulting power surge, the fuzz couldn't display an unflattering 3D render of his moderately attractive face all over Spaceport 6. That had bought him some time to make a break for it, while the overstretched techno-support team struggled to resurrect the notoriously uncooperative printer network. He frantically scanned the hangar, assessing his options. He looked at James, who was slowly backing away from him carefully. He looked at the roof, and then at the floor, and then at the ceilings, then at the walls, and then at the doors, then at a junction box at his feet, and then at James again. Bingo town, he thought. Hey, Tizer! He, Carl Darkcruiser, called to the leaving ex-head of the Galactic Safety Council. That junction box over there. 
Looks to me like you've got some exposed wiring without proper signage or insulation. James froze and turned slowly to the box in question. Something inside him changed, mutated, snapped. Tizar's fun-loving exterior shattered and also melted away. All that remained was a white-hot burning lust for safety and ants. Code 5! Code 5! Bellowed his increasingly scarlet owl-like face. At that, the hangar went from dimly lit to even dimlier lit as the main lights boomed off. The chop shop's carefully calibrated public address system began blaring J-Dog's follow-up single regarding electrical practices, buzzing for you. The number four again and then just the letter U. Also an apostrophe and no G on buzzing. Carl knew that the hangar crew would have the problem solved in a matter of seconds. Tizar was notorious for severely punishing any member of staff who was not highly efficient in dealing with matters of health and safety. During his time at the Safety Council, he had sentenced over 40 employees to a lifetime of spore mining in the Luxo sector for failing to properly deal with spillages in the canteen. This, combined with the 17 people he had personally executed for incorrectly taping down cables in office areas, had led to a vote of no confidence at the biannual trustees meeting and his eventual ousting as chairman. In the newly darkened hangar bay, Carl ran towards his newly acquired ship, just meters away from the cops. The work crew had already cordoned off the problem area with hollow cones and had begun to complete the necessary paperwork in order to continue. Time was running out. Once those forms had been processed, there was no stopping Tizar issuing a work order to replace the faulty wiring, and once that order had been ratified by the foreman and two judges, there was only the review by admin committee and approval by the Hangar Bay Workers' Union before the power would be restored and Carl's chance of escape would be blown to pieces. He had to move quickly, so he did. Slipping by the cops unnoticed, he approached the ship's on-ramp. He punched the console to release the docking hatch. Nothing. He punched it again. Still nothing. He punched it a third time, and the hatch opened, abruptly releasing the tension that had built up over the course of the first two tries. A loud clattering sound emitted from deep inside the ship as the hatch shuddered open and a plume of dust burst from the opening, and Carl coughed as he inhaled the dusty material. Just then, the power to the hangar bay was restored, and the combination of the clanging ship and spluttering space pirate attracted the attention of Geef. There he is! screamed the spider boy, who instantly loosed streaming jets of webbing in Carl's general direction. Carl ducked out of the way as the web splattered with a sickening gloopy sound against the shiny hull of the ship. Dark Cruiser dove inside and the open hatch sealed behind him. He took a deep breath and began to run towards the bridge. Luckily for the bounty hunter, he had served on a craft similar to this one during his time as an unlicensed ship's counsellor and aromatherapist, so he knew the layout pretty well. Alarms were blaring outside as he ran through the grimy corridors of the vessel. James and his crew might have worked wonders on the exterior hull, but the interior decoration left a lot to be desired. Two stars for cleanliness, thought Carl, and he reminded himself to leave a scathing review on Ship Advisor. Shut this hangar bay down right now, please, yelled Sarge from the hangar floor. I apologise if my tone seems aggressive, I am simply eager to see justice delivered in a timely and positive manner, and I'd appreciate your assistance in this matter. The big hangar doors began to close slowly, because they were big and they were heavy. Carl cycled through the last parts of the ship's startup procedure and got himself prepped for the ride of his life. He slammed down the lever that made the ship go, and the ship went. Fast. 
faster than Dark Cruiser expected, and faster than the hangar doors could close around him. The Verge Corps cruise fighter scraped through the doors, suffering only minor scratches and a couple of nasty-looking dints in the hull, and soared skyward, away from Spaceport 6. Several security ships gave ineffectual chase, as Starhawk broke through the station's Atmos shell sphere and disappeared towards the outer reaches of the system. Her interstellar drive shaft glowed into life, and the ship burst into uberspace, jutting off into the velvety starfield. Carl leaned back in the faux leather seat and looked out at the stars. Home at last. To be continued. The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles is a production of Dawnstar Audio. Written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. Carl Dark Cruiser was played by T.L. Dawnstar. James Tizer was played by T.L. Dawnstar. The Sergeant and Geef were played by T.L. Dawnstar. Special thanks to no one. Next chapter, the quest begins. Get in touch via electronic mail using the address tldawnstar at gmail.com or via Twitter at tl underscore dawnstar.